0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Everyone wide awake? Everybody good? Some of you may have stayed up late to ring in the New Year. Some of you may have chosen to go to bed early. God bless you if you did. Oh, man. Um, we have a little tradition that we do every year with some friends of ours where we actually make some uh, pizzas and we have individual little pizzas for the kids they get to make their own and it was a lot of fun and so that's how we chose to celebrate our new year was by carrying on our tradition which is funny because we started that tradition four years ago um, with that being the very first new years that we had and today uh, is actually Celebrates five years of my wife and I living here and being your pastor. So, thank you for that. I'm glad to be here, you know, for the tenure that we have. God's done some incredible things, and we are looking forward to what 2017 is going to bring and what God is going to do. There's a lot of things on the horizon, and we're going to talk about those things closer to the end of the month, but I wanted to kick off the year by talking about marriage. And so I thought that this would be a great thing to share with our church by kicking off a shorter series in the beginning of the year to help you to start the year off in a positive way. Because how many of us make New Year's resolutions about weight loss? How many of us make New Year's resolutions about finance management? But how many of us, in all the things that we're looking at improving and growing in in our lives, How many of us really think about our marriages when it comes to the first of the year as we're evaluating our lives, as we're looking at the new year as kind of a fresh start? Well, I want to equip you and empower you with some things that I believe will help you to grow in your marriage and in your relationship with one another. And so as we kick off this new series, we're calling it Messy Marriage because we know sometimes marriage can be messy, wouldn't you agree? But it can also be something beautiful and wonderful. Because God can take that mess that we've made, and He can turn it into something absolutely incredible. And God is glorified when our mess is cleaned up by His truth that's applied in our lives. Marriages are also under extreme attack by the enemy. Wouldn't you agree? Here's the deal. So many married couples, they live in the same house, but they really have two separate lives going on. And that's not how it should be. That's not the way that God intended for it to be. But they live parallel lives, running kind of in uh, the same uh, house, but they're really going in just opposite directions. Or they don't even know what's happening in the other's life. They just kind of coexist, but they call themselves married. And Too many people, they ignore this lack of connection that they may have in their marriage, and they just simply accept it, and they just say that it's normal. Maybe it's what you saw your parents model. Maybe you saw this disconnection as they got older. Maybe they weren't very romantic. Maybe they weren't very connected. You always kind of wished they would be, and that's not what you saw on TV, so you were determined that when you got married that was going to be different than maybe what you saw. Or maybe you experienced divorce in your home at an early age, and you were determined, I'm not going to experience that in my own marriage. And so we have all of these ideas, but yet we find ourselves falling into these patterns, sometimes unknowingly, sometimes we catch ourselves... Not even being aware of what's going on. The fact that we've been disconnected as a couple. We're like, when did this happen? How did this happen? We used to have fun together. We begin to ask all of these questions. And let me tell you, folks, disconnection connection is dangerous when we just accept it. It's like you're living in two different worlds, but you're in the same house. So that's the title of my message this morning, if you want to write that down. Two different worlds in the same house. Strong marriages are going to have a strong foundation, all right? And I think that we all know that the foundation is supposed to be God. And we all understand that. And I would probably get a big amen if I asked for it. And you would go, amen! God is supposed to be the foundation of a strong marriage. And here's the deal. How can you expect behavior to change if the heart isn't being influenced by God regularly? We look at the behavior in our marriages of our spouse or of our own behavior, and we try to tweak the behavior. And it's like we're starting from the outside, trying to change what's on the inside. And that's not how it works, folks. You can only modify your behavior for so long, you can only try to discipline your behavior for so long because the Bible says that out of the heart flows the issues of life. So out of your heart comes the issues that you're dealing with. So that means that somewhere on some level, some basic foundational level, there's a reason that you're acting and reacting in certain ways. And only God can change a heart. And we have to submit to Him and say, God, I want you to do the heart work in me. So many times we just try to change the behavior. We just try to change that one thing we don't like. Or we'll tell our spouse they need to change that one thing that we don't like. And I'm sure it's only one thing with you guys. But here's the thing. How in the world can we expect to have a healthy, God-honoring marriage if God is not at the foundation? We're just looking for some behavior modification. We just want that person to treat us a certain way. We want that person to behave a certain way. But the heart's not there if it's not being regularly influenced By God. We can't expect behavior to change if the heart's not being influenced by God. You just can't. You can read all the books you want. You can go to all the conferences you want. You can take all the notes you want. You can get all the counseling you want until you submit yourself to be regularly influenced in your heart at the deepest core level by God. All you're looking for is a quick fix. You have to submit yourself to regular godly influence in your life. And that has to be the very foundation. It can't be the afterthought. It can't be the salt that you try to sprinkle on the bland meal to try to make it taste better. It has to be at the very core, at the very foundation. And then guess what happens? If God is at the foundation, if He's at the center, if He's at the core and your life is regularly being influenced by Him and His truth, then it affects everything out. And it starts from the core and branches out, not the other way in. No one looks at an apple tree that has a bunch of rotten apples on it and says, somebody needs to do something about those apples. Let's work on those apples. Let's try to fix those apples. Let's try to find something to make those apples better. And let's work on those apples to try to get them healthy and get them red again. I mean, they look awful. No, what would you do? You would start at the roots. What's this thing being fed? What's going into this tree? What's happening at the sublevel that nobody else sees? What's happening underground? What are the things that are affecting it? Because the fruit is just the result of what's happening underground. The behaviors and the things that you don't like about your spouse or the things that have caused you to be disconnected are a result of the root system that needs to be influenced regularly by God because He's the only one that can change our hearts. Amen, somebody? See, if you're not connecting with God, how could you stay connected with your spouse regularly in a healthy way if he's not the foundation? If God is not the foundation, how could you possibly expect your marriage to be strong? You have to have God at the center, at the core, at the foundation. Go over to Galatians chapter 5 real quick. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and let's look at verse 22. It says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Wouldn't you like to have your marriage experience love, joy? Would you love to have a marriage where you're experiencing peace in your home, where you're patient with one another, where you're kind to one another? Where there's goodness coming out of both of you in your relationship, where there's faithfulness, where you're gentle with one another, where you're self controlled. Wouldn't you love to have a marriage that produced those types of results? Of course you would. All of us want that. But it's the fruit of what? The Spirit. Here Paul says to the church in Galatia, he says, this is the fruit of the Spirit of God having an active role and an active influence in your life. These things come out as a result. It's not working outwards to try to get to the core. It's letting the core be influenced and letting the things that come out of my life be a result of that. That's the only way that it's truly going to be genuine also because anybody can fake it for a little while. Hello, somebody. Anybody can fake it for a little while you can try to fake patience for a little while You can try to fake self-control for a little while You can even try to make it happen in your life But when it's genuine and when it's actually something that lasts It comes out of your heart because it's something that you want to do Not something that necessarily you're trying to force yourself to do Because of the circumstances that you're in because there's a mess And now you're trying to force these behaviors. No, it's something that comes out of your core because your heart is regularly being influenced by the Spirit of God. So let me ask you this. Are you praying for and with your spouse regularly? Are you doing those things? If you're not, you need to start. Because this is where we allow our marriage to be influenced by God. This is where we influence one another by the way, God is influencing us by putting him at the forefront. Listen, making him a non-negotiable part of our lives. To where this isn't something we do when we feel like it. This isn't something we do when we're talking nice and kind to one another. This is something we do because we've made a non-negotiable decision that our marriage, whether we're liking each other or not right now, is going to be founded on the rock. Amen, somebody? The rock that doesn't move. And we need to make sure we're doing those things together. Are you praying for and with your spouse regularly? Are you pursuing God individually and together? In other words, so many Christians can get to this place in their lives where they get complacent and they think, I'm doing pretty good as a Christian, and we begin to feel kind of smug in our Christianity, and we feel that we've got some miles behind us in our Christian walk, and we feel that we're doing pretty good, me and God is cool, and there's not this passionate pursuit of God anymore, we get really relaxed in our pursuit of who He is, because we think we've got a pretty good handle on things. And when we do that, that's a dangerous place to be as a Christian. When you start looking at the things you're doing, and you begin to feel good about those things, to think, I'm doing good enough. Like, I have enough of God. I have enough influence of Jesus in my life. I know enough scripture. I attend enough church. I do enough nice things for other people. If we get to that place where we begin to relax and coast because we feel we have done enough, then we're missing the pursuit of relationship. If you do that in your marriage, your marriage is going to be in a dangerous place. I know my wife good enough. I, I, I tell her I love her enough. She knows that enough. I I date her enough, and I begin to coast in my marriage, and if I had that attitude in my marriage, then all of a sudden what happens? My marriage gets stale. All of a sudden, we begin to go two separate ways, but we're living in the same house, and we get disconnected, and the same thing happens in your relationship with God. When you begin to go, ah, me and God, we're fine. Me and my wife, we're fine. She knows it. She knows I love her. When we say things like that, we're taking for granted the pursuit The pursuit is supposed to be something that we're constantly uh, desiring and wanting and having to even sometimes challenge ourselves to look outside of the box to continue to get to know our spouse. And it's the same way with God. God wants us to pursue Him. Amen, somebody? So are you pursuing God individually, and then are you pursuing God together? In other words, you're not allowing your walk with God to get stale. You're not coasting because you feel like you've got enough check marks done as if that were the goal anyways, because it's not. It's is there a fresh fire in my heart for God? Is there a fresh fire to want to know Him more? Not to where I feel like I've got Him figured out and I just coast through life and through my walk with God. But there's a fresh fire in me that says, God, I want to know You more. I love what I know about You, and I love what I've experienced from You, But I am not satisfied, God, because I want to know you more. And it's the same way that you'll keep passion in your marriage as well. Honey, I want to know you more. I want to learn more about you. It doesn't matter if you've been married for five minutes, five years, or 50 years. Your wife, your spouse, your husband, they want that passionate pursuit. They want to know you're still interested in them. And the same thing with God. You've been a Christian for 30 years. Are you still interested in God? Been a Christian for 50, 60 years? Been a Christian? You came out of the womb a Christian, man. Do you still want to know God? Are you still passionately pursuing God? That's a strong foundational piece of your marriage in your life. Are you in the Scripture together? Are you doing some sort of devotional exercise together? Are you doing practical things to put God at the forefront of your marriage And I'm not saying this to condemn you or make you feel bad. I'm just wanting to challenge you and encourage you to do these things if you want to have a strong marriage built on a strong foundation. There are free devotions on the YouVersion app. We use that here at Word of Grace all the time. You can download the free YouVersion app, and there's free devotions, and they're all across the gamut of all sorts of different topics and books of the Bible, and they're just in there in in, in just a huge, huge number, and you can do those things together with your spouse. Uh, You can, even if you're not together, uh, say that you you do it on your lunch break, and, 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 and at least you can talk about it at the end of the day, I would encourage you to do something like that. One of the things that I like to do is I like to listen to podcasts. And my favorite podcast, and I want you to write this down if you're interested in listening to a 20, 25-minute podcast. I, I listen to it when I work out. It's Marriage Today by Jimmy and Karen Evans. Man, they're my favorite marriage teachers that are out there today. I mean just solid, practical, biblical stuff. I love Jimmy and Karen Evans, um, and I love Marriage Today stuff. So if you haven't heard of them, go hook up with their podcast or go look them up on YouTube, and they have like little 20, 25-minute videos. My wife and I just sat down and watched one together just a couple of days ago, and we talked about it. It's a great conversation starter. They will always make you think. They will always challenge you. And they are really awesome uh, teachers and an awesome couple. Do little things like that where you can connect together to invest in making God the forefront and the foundation of your marriage by making sure that you are proactively doing something. So many people want to react in their marriage. All of a sudden when you look at the mess, you go, oh my goodness, how did we get here to this mess? And you want to just clean it up. And you want to say, all right, nobody's doing anything for the next week until we get this house in order because look at this mess. But it didn't get that way overnight and it's not going to get fixed overnight because if you don't fix the heart and the behaviors and the reason why it got there in the first place, then you may take a week to get everything just perfect, but you're going to end up right back in that same mess that you saw when you were overwhelmed. And God wants us to be proactively investing in our marriage and in our relationship with Him because as we do, we begin to grow and the problems that we had a year ago... We're not dealing with those like we did then. And then two years down the road, our marriage still isn't perfect, but we're growing because we've went through some stuff and we've grown through some stuff. And we have learned how to communicate better. And we've learned how to respect one another better. We've learned how to think about one another in ways that will actually encourage one another and build and strengthen that marriage because this connection is dangerous. You need to write that down, highlight it, underline it, You need to tattoo it on your forehead backwards so you look in the mirror every morning and see it. Disconnection is dangerous, folks. When we begin to get disconnected as couples, you may think, well, that's the way my parents were. You may think that's normal. Couples go through that. And when you begin to accept it as normal, you're opening the door for the enemy to actually begin to whisper lies that you begin to actually believe. Because it's not these big offensive things that you believe when you first hear them. No one believes those lies, those big offensive ones when they first hear them. It's, it's, it's not the, the, the lie that would say, hey, uh, go get addicted to pornography, go cheat on your spouse, go, uh, go, go run off and have this secret life, whatever. No one starts out believing that. That's offensive, man. I didn't get married just to go and do those things, but it's the little whispers in the ear that you begin to believe when you begin to feel disconnected that slowly fade you away into making those decisions that actually begin to really hurt and affect you in ways that you may not realize that's why disconnection is so dangerous the bible talks about disconnection being dangerous go over to hebrews chapter 10 hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 hebrews 10 and 24 says this says let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works Not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, this particular passage in context is talking about gathering with other believers, coming and assembling like we're doing here this morning as a church, and making sure that we don't neglect to gather here together because we need one another, especially as the day or the return of the Lord approaches. We need to be aware of what's going on in the world and seeing that the world is very much anti antichrist and christians need one another they need to strengthen one another encourage one another stir one another up to good works because if we disconnect and we separate guess what that's dangerous because now we we feel like we're all alone now we begin to assume things now we begin to not be stirred up and we can get lax and we can get lazy Or we can be pulled away into false doctrine. Or we can be drugged away by something that makes us feel good. But if we have people there around us, sharpening us, encouraging us, helping us through the good times and the bad, man, then we will be able to grow closer together, closer to God. But if we disconnect, like Hebrews is talking about, then we're going to see ourselves really begin to fall apart because disconnection is dangerous and i want you to hear this loud and clear okay it is not okay and it does not have to be normal to be living separate lives in the same house i want you to hear me loud and clear this connection is dangerous that's when the mind begins to wander the heart begins to drift Businesses call it organizational drift when they have a set of core values that the business agrees to. But then eventually, some employees begin to drift away from those core values. And if you aren't close to what's happening in the situation, oftentimes something big explodes in the business and they go, What happened? Oh, it was organizational drift that began to happen, but no one caught it. It just began to kind of go its own way, and everyone began to accept it as normal. And next thing you know, you've got a crisis on your hands that you've got to clean up, and there's a big mess. And it's the same thing that happens in our marriages. We began to drift and we began to you know, think, oh, it's not a big deal. I'm not going to go to bed with my spouse. I'll just stay up and just watch TV. I need some me time. And, and that's okay at first. And, 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 and then all of a sudden it becomes, I, I begin to get resentful towards my spouse. And then I begin to isolate myself from my spouse. And I begin to go down this dark, dangerous path. And then all of a sudden something comes and whispers in my ear at just the right moment. And I actually believe that lie and justify my sin and my actions and my behavior And I never would have thought I would have ended up in that place addicted or chained to whatever junk it is that I was addicted or chained to or feel the feelings that I felt towards my spouse or the lack thereof or the thoughts that I would think towards them because nobody gets married to have these big fights and these big fallouts and to hurt one another. That's not why you get married. No one says, "Oh, that sounds like fun. Let's go do that. (laughs) That's not why people come together and get married. But yet those things happen. But when they become the norm for us and we just accept it, then all of a sudden, man, we are so disconnected and we don't even realize how dangerous that disconnection is. If you're still in Hebrews, go over to Hebrews 13. And let's look at verse 4. It says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. where he's talking about the fact that we need to keep our marriage bed pure. We need to keep it undefiled. We don't need to be sexually immoral. We need to stay within God's healthy boundaries that he has set in order for us to thrive in our marriages. And then also that we began to find people that we look at that are our leaders or people that we trust, people that are mentors in our life, that we can say they are producing things in their lives that I want to see produced in my life and then I connect with them. It says, look at what they're doing. Learn from what they're doing so that way you stay connected and you are not in a position where you continually drift and you're unaware. Have people hold you accountable. Man, one of the things that I've done in my leadership and in my life is I've surrounded myself with a small group of men that I trust And we're really just doing life together and we're sharing things in life together and we're just getting very close and we're just having kind of a no-holds-barred discussion that we do once a month where we just talk about life and where they can ask me questions, we can challenge each other on things. And the reason that I wanted to create this little group was so that we could all make sure that we are holding one another accountable in our lives and that me as a husband, as a father, as your pastor, that I make sure that not only do I have the boards and things like that here at church that keep me accountable, but I also have some friends and some confidants that hold me accountable when they begin to ask me questions like, so when's the last time you took your wife out on a date? Or when's the last time that you did something fun with your kids? Or if they begin to hear me say certain things or notice certain things, it'll bring them to my attention. And that's what I want. And that's what I need because I don't want to get disconnected. I don't want to drift. I don't want to justify. I don't want to begin to think that I'm doing good and I'm okay and you're okay and I'm okay and we're okay and this is just our new normal and this disconnection thing is okay because it's not okay. Amen, somebody? Disconnection is not okay. It opens the door for sin. And so we've got to work to make sure that we're investing in our marriages, both first by putting God in the seat that he needs to be in, at the driver's seat of our marriage in our lives, that he's the foundation, and then also that we're doing the work to making sure that we're being intentional, that we're being romantic. What? He used the R word at church. That's right. If you look up romantic in Webster's dictionary, you know what it says? It says "see romantic." <laughs> it doesn't know how to define romance. It's just something that you see, something you experience, and every one of us has the capacity to be romantic, and every one of us needs to be romantic in our relationship with our spouse. <clears throat> Amen, somebody. <laughs> well, I'm just not very romantic. I would. I. I, I like to. To, to just go and my, shoot my guns and sit on my deer stand. I'm not into all that huggy, lovey-dovey stuff. <laughs> I'm not talking about getting into all that stuff. I'm talking about being romantic because romance is a behavior, not a feeling. And you are romantic whether you realize it or not because really what romance does is it answers the question, how does my spouse make me feel? How does my spouse make me feel? Not what do they say to me, because you can say all the right things. How do they make me feel? Now, this is how I gauge my relationships. I mean all of my relationships, my friendships, people I like to hang out with. When I leave their presence, I always try to reflect and evaluate the interaction that I just had. And I gauge those relationships based on how did I feel when I left their presence? Did I feel heavy and like, oh, that was draining, that was exhausting, well, I'm probably not going to keep going back to that relationship over and over again if I feel like that it's something that's always makes me feel zapped or that puts me in a bad mood or that makes me feel negative or makes me react ne- negative or gets me into this gossipy thing where I begin to have this negative encounter. But if it was something that was unlift, uplifting and encouraging, man, I love being around people like that, and I tell them that. When I find a person like that in my life, I acknowledge how they make me feel. I say, Thank you for encouraging me. I love hanging around you because every time I leave your house or every time I leave having coffee with you or talking to you or, or, or us going to lunch or whatever, I love the way that you make me feel. I love how you encourage me. I love how even though I may have been having a really junky day, you help to turn that thing around by your positivity and the way that you engage me. And those people, when they're having a bad day, I can be that for them. And I can encourage them. I always gauge those relationships based on how do I feel When I leave that encounter with that person, and that's really what we gauge the quality of our marriage on, is how does this person make me feel? And that's really what romance is, is how are we making them feel? How do you make your spouse feel? So here's what romance looks like, okay? I'm going to give you just a few things that I want you to write down to kind of illustrate for you. If you don't know what romance is, or it's been too long since you've been romantic, I'm going to encourage you to engage your spouse and to get reconnected through being romantic. You meet an unspoken need or desire in your spouse's heart. Romance is proactive. Romance meets an unspoken need or desire in your spouse's heart. So in other words, you're paying attention. You're watching. You're listening. You're learning that person to where you begin to learn their heart. You know what they like. You know what they're interested in. You know what gets them excited. And it may not be something that gets you excited. My wife does not get excited every time the Bucks are playing on TV. I do. I yell. I throw things. I jump up and down. I talk to the refs because they can hear me through the TV. I get really into it. And she likes going to the games when we actually go to a physical game. But she doesn't like watching it on TV. But she knows that I enjoy that. So sometimes, not every time, sometimes she'll unexpectedly sit down with me and watch the game and yell at the referees with me. (laughs) That's her being romantic. She's observing me, watching me, meeting an unspoken need or an unspoken request or unspoken desire in my heart. So romance is proactive, okay? (laughs) Romance is not reactive, When it's reactive, it's because you're trying to clean up some mess that you made, right? True romance is proactive. True romance sees something that's going on, sees an opportunity, and your spouse is just on your mind, or they're on your heart, and you make a decision. It doesn't always have to be buying things. It doesn't always have to be something that's dealing with money. It can be, but it can be the little things. You know that your spouse had to take some overtime during the holidays because maybe they worked in retail, and you know they've been working hard. And even though you're just as tired, maybe even more tired than they are, you do things to help them out so when they get home, they don't have to deal with something they normally have to deal with because they're on your heart. That's romantic. It means I'm paying attention. It means I'm studying you. Let me ask you this question. And I hope that when I ask this question that no one gets physically injured that's sitting next to their spouse this morning. But I want you to think about this. This is a reflective question, okay? Okay. Do strangers get treated better than you treat your spouse? Do you treat strangers better than you treat your spouse? Have you gotten so disconnected to studying and getting to know your spouse and engaging your spouse that you put on the smile and you pull out the red carpet for everyone else, but your spouse gets the worst part of you? If that's where you're at, then you need to wake up and recognize, wow, I need to start being proactive again. We've gotten disconnected. Other people are getting treated better than the person that I'm spending my life with, that I've made covenant between God and them, that we, all of a sudden we, 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 we've made this covenant commitment together, we're walking life together, and yet we're the most disconnected people. And I have friends that I'm closer to than my spouse. That shouldn't be. I shouldn't have another friend that is closer to me than my spouse that's unhealthy that's a disconnect so i have to be proactive so you have to speak romance in your spouse's language because your romantic language is not your spouse's romantic language in other words what gets you excited is not going to get them excited the things that we think about doing for them are not always the things that that they're desiring or wanting So we have to learn them. We have to show our spouse that we understand their language. And and here's what we've got to stop doing. We've got to stop scolding our spouse and trying to train them to please us. It's not our job to try to make our spouse and train our spouse and browbeat our spouse and put down our spouse to be this person that we want them to be. They're an individual and you need to let them be who they are. You need to give them space to be who they are and respect who they are. Respect what they like. Respect what they want to do. Listen to them. And then you get to know them for who they are and love your spouse for who he or she is, not who you want them to be. That's unfair to push the pause button in your marriage to make your spouse have to achieve a certain level in your eyes before they're worthy of being treated like they're valuable. Amen, somebody? That's unjust and it's unfair and it's not right. And it happens all over the place to where people will actually begin to treat their spouses in a negative way to try to get them to produce positive behavior. That sounds like a good plan. That's not the way God wants this thing to work. We need to learn our spouse's language. We need to stop scolding them and stop trying to train them to please us. We need to go into their world, learn their language, learn where they're at. Maybe your spouse isn't as far down the road as you are in some areas. That's okay, don't browbeat them and make them feel like they're less valuable or they're not as smart as you or they're not as spiritual as you. That's not your job. Your job is to encourage them, exhort them. You're to lead them. You're to encourage and, and be there for one another. You've got to go into their world and learn their language. And you've got to communicate unique value to your spouse. What's unique about them? Guys, sometimes you get put on the spot. Your wife says, why do you love me? What do you love about me? <laughs> you smell nice. Uh, uh, I don't want to talk about this right now. I'm sleepy. I got to get up early for work. Think about it. Have an answer when the, that question's going to get asked because it's going to get asked. Have an answer because you're thinking about your spouse. What captivates you about your spouse? And that's easy to do when you first get married it gets more difficult to do when you're a little further down the road and you get familiar with each other because you're comfortable now. It's easy to do in those first few years of marriage. Oh man, you've, you've got a list, you know, 10 miles long and new, newly married couples almost make you sick sometimes. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, they'll see. <laughs> Wait till they got some, some miles down the road. Wait till they got some life behind them. Wait till they have kids. Yeah, that'll suck the life out of them. All sorts of things that people say that cause them to get disconnected. And listen, on that note, we've got to be careful that we don't allow our children to become that point of disconnect in our marriage. Oh, oh, oh pastor's preaching, don't shout me down. Because too many times when couples are having problems and they have children, one of the spouses will gravitate towards the child because the child gives them the affirmation and love that they're actually looking for from their spouse. And so they give all of their attention to the child. And then the child grows up, and the child has a great relationship with the parents, but the parents don't have a great relationship with each other. And then the child moves out, and now here's these two people that don't know each other because their lives have been completely consumed and wrapped up in their children, and they forgot to date each other while their children were growing up because they weren't getting the affirmation that they needed from one another. They weren't getting the love that they needed from one another, but they got it from the child because kids, they give love freely, man. They'll, they'll just give that to you and they'll hug you and they love you. And if you're not getting that from your spouse, you're going to gravitate over towards the child that's giving that to you. And you're going to put all your attention and your time and your affection into the child and not doing it to your spouse. And then when the child leaves home, you look at each other and you go, who in the world are you? And you don't know how to connect because you've been disconnected all those years. But you were fooled into thinking that you were doing a good job by giving all that time and attention to your child. Listen, folks, you're going to be with your spouse forever. This is supposed to be a forever thing. Amen, somebody? And if it's supposed to be a forever thing and we meant it as a forever thing and that's how God intended it, then we've got to make sure that we don't allow anything, even our children, to become something that causes us to disconnect. Yeah, you need to spend time with your kids. Yeah, you need to engage your kids. You need to be affectionate with your kids. You need to love your kids. But not at the expense of neglecting your spouse. Amen, somebody? I thought that'd get a real big amen, but maybe it's amen or oh me, I don't know. And we all do it. I mean, heck, I've done it. I've seen that happen in my own marriage where we've drifted for seasons in our lives. But the thing is, is that we try to recognize and we have those conversations to where we're actually engaging one another when we see those things happen. So we need to communicate regularly. We've got to talk. We've got to communicate regularly. If you want to reconnect with your spouse, you have to have a regular time of communication. You need to sit down and discuss your day. You need to make plans together. You need to sit down and let one another know how things are going and be honest and evaluate things in your life. Share your heart with your spouse. Deepen trust. Communicate. Talk with one another. Because if you go through life assuming you're going to be disconnected and you're opening the door up for sin. So what's non-negotiable with you and your spouse? What are the non-negotiables? Those are the decisions that you need to make together. So as you're looking at this year and you're evaluating this year, you need to start it by making God a non-negotiable, keeping Him at the very foundation, maybe connecting with other Christian couples, people that you look up to, connecting with them in a way that you go, I like what I see in their marriage. Those people love God and they love each other, and that's where I want to be. Find out how they did it. Hang out with them. Buy them lunch. Talk to them. Invest in them. We took one couple in our church here at Word of Grace out to coffee that's been married and raised great kids. We took them out just to pick their brain and ask them, what did you guys do? What are some challenges you went through? And if they have the love of God at the core of their life, They're going to want to share with you because they want to help you because they understand that's part of their role, that they've been through some things and they want to help you. Find those people. Invest in those relationships. There are very few people that would turn down a free meal if you offer to pay. (laughs) Amen, somebody. So what's non-negotiable? You need to make those decisions together. And, And here's the last thing that I want to share with you today. I want you to embrace the awkward. Okay? Embrace the awkward. Because as we're talking about romance, as we're talking about putting God at the center, as we're talking about cleaning up the mess that we may have made in our relationship, you've got to embrace awkward. You can't let awkward keep you from ever being romantic. You can't keep awkward from ever letting you pray with your spouse and praying for your spouse. You can't allow awkward to keep you where you're at in that disconnected state. You've got to push past the weird feeling you get when you try to do those things. When you try to do something that hasn't been normal for you, it feels weird, right? When you're not used to giving each other a a, a long embrace and a kiss when you get home, and that's something you say, that's important to me, that's part of my romance and my love language, and your spouse wants that, it doesn't matter if you want it or not, you need to give that to them. My wife likes to be held like a long hug. I don't like long hugs. I like a, see you later. I got to go. But my wife likes me to sit there or stand there and just hold her. The first time that I started doing that after we realized we had been disconnected for a season and we were working on reconnecting, I was like going, when is this going to end? 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 And it's just hugging my wife. And the funny thing is, is that we have problems with goofy things like that, but we don't have any problem if there's other offers on the table. Hello, somebody. And nothing's awkward then. <laughs> but sometimes those, those daily interactions are, are, are that you're not used to, oh, that's, that's awkward, this is weird, this is not normal. But let me tell you, it was important to her, and I had to learn how to push past awkward to where it became normal. And now it doesn't feel weird to do that anymore because I stopped making it weird, because I stopped making things about me always being in a hurry and being so important that what I had to do, I had to go. I had to take time. I just had to do that. You've got to embrace the awkward. I had to literally embrace awkward. Because it was weird to sit there for this long time. I mean, you know, I mean, how long are we talking here? I mean, all right, Mm, good, all right, let's go. No, that wasn't what she was looking for. And I realized how selfish I had been. So I had to repent and I had to change. I had to do something different. I had to embrace the awkward. You have to embrace the uncomfortable awkwardness and commit to it until it's not awkward anymore. That's how long you stick with it. You keep pushing through awkward till awkward is not the normal feeling you get when you say or do those things anymore. Don't you see or hear certain couples say and do things that just you're like, oh, that's awkward. Well, if that's who they are, it's not awkward to them. They might be making you uncomfortable, but it's not uncomfortable to them. When you start doing that stuff, it makes your children feel awkward. But then it even gets to the point where your children know that's just how mom and dad are. When they come home, they hug, they kiss, they tell each other they love them. But at first, your kids might go, oh, that's weird. What are you guys doing? We love each other. Get over it. You're going to be out of this house one day. Soon. And she's still going to be here. So I need to make sure that our marriage is still hot and there's still passion and fire and we're still interested in one another. And so we're going to push past awkward and we're not going to allow awkward to become a stumbling block. This space between you that caused this disconnection, it didn't come overnight and it's not going to be healed overnight. But this mess can be cleaned up if you begin to invest and remind yourself that God put you together. And if God truly did put you together, then God doesn't create anything to fail. God never said I'm going to make this to fail. No, no, no. Everything God made in my Bible in the cha- in the first book, chapter of the book of Genesis. What did He call it? He called it good. Everything God makes, He calls good. Everything that begins to head towards a destructive path is a result of the thief. Like John ten and ten says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. And He wants you to have abundant life. He wants you to have an abundant marriage. So God wants you to thrive. He wants you to be connected with one another. He wants you to have a strong foundation in Him. And I don't care how messy your marriage is. Things can be cleaned up. And your marriage can be strengthened. But the question that you have to answer today is what am I going to do different to get reconnected? What awkward am I going to have to push past? How can I make God the foundation? How can I begin to be romantic? How can I begin to learn my spouse, get reconnected? And make sure that we're not drifting apart. Make sure that we're not two people that are living separate lives, separate worlds, but in the same house under the same roof. So I hope that today that you can take something away, that you can actually have a good conversation on this New Year's Day with your spouse, or maybe with your children even. Or you can talk about what are some things that we want to see as non-negotiables that are going to help us stay connected. It doesn't matter if you're in crisis mode or not, because I know some of you in this room, you're probably in crisis mode, but some of you, you're not in crisis mode. But things can still drift when you're unaware. You need to keep things sharp. You need to make sure God's at the foundation. Make sure that you're being romantic and engaging and that you're pushing past awkward, that you're talking to each other, that you're having these conversations. My wife and I made a rule a long time ago that nothing is ever off the table discussion wise we have complete vulnerability in our discussion about how we're feeling about what's going on things we struggle with mistakes we make things we do good and bad and nothing's off the table you have to have transparency and communication for you to push past awkward for you to acknowledge the elephant in the room that he feels that she feels if you want to see the mess cleaned up and your marriage bring glory to god amen somebody God, I thank you for this message. I thank you for this opportunity to share this word with our church family. I pray that you would help us all to live lives and relationships that would bring you glory. And, Father, for those who are not married, I pray, Lord, that you would help them, Lord, to be strengthened and challenged in their pursuit if they're desired and called to be married, Father. And I pray that you would help them to find that spouse that would reflect those types of qualities and that they can make those non-negotiables Father, in their own lives and apply this message even to their relationships with their friends and their walk with you. I pray for those that are struggling today, Father, that you would encourage them and that you would strengthen them, Lord, that you would comfort them and give them peace that passes their understanding. Help give them clarity about the next steps, Lord, in their lives that they're supposed to take. And I pray, Father, for those who may be drifting unaware. I pray that you would help them to become aware so that they can begin to put into practice the things that we've seen clearly in your word to stay connected to one another. And I pray, Father, for those marriages who are, are exemplary, that are on a, in, a, in a strong place right now, that they not get lax or weary in well-doing, but they continue to further strengthen their marriage and invest in other people so that they can help them to grow in their own walk with you and in their life with their spouse. I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit WOTCC.com.